Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wednesday in the Word. I am honored to have you be a part of our audience on today. Thank you for your presence and certainly your participation. I want to begin um, part two of our study on self-discipline. I want to begin our study on self-discipline. It is important that we um, continue what um, God has set out for us to do. If you would get your notepads and your pens, let's go right to work. What is, Pastor, what is self-discipline? What is self-discipline? What is that, Pastor? What is self-discipline? Well, self-discipline is the correction or regulation of oneself for the sake of improvement. Self-discipline is the correction or regulation of oneself for the sake of improvement. Self-control is the restraint exercise over one's own impulses, over one's emotions or desires. Let's make sure you have that self-control is the restraint exercise over one's own impulses, over one's own emotions or desires. Now, self-discipline and self-control are first cousins. Now, though self-discipline and self-control are first cousins, closely related, it's important for us to note that they are not the same. Though they are used interchangeably, in God's word. Discipline is related to persistence. Self-control is related to restraint. Now let's make sure we get this logged in. Discipline is regulated or related to persistence. Self-control is related to restraint. I want to suggest to you on today that God wants us to be self-disciplined, not only in the things of God, like um, prayer and fasting, reading his word, serving, giving, and even worship. He wants us to be disciplined in those things. But he also wants us to be disciplined with things concerning others as well. So he wants us to be disciplined in things concerning God, our faith. He wants us to be disciplined in, with things concerning others, as well as he wants us to be disciplined in things concerning ourselves. He wants us to be disciplined in, in eating, discipline in drinking, discipline in exercising, discipline in our finances. He wants us to be disciplined as it relates to our shopping, discipline in our sexual activity, discipline in our relationships. He wants us to be disciplined in our personal hygiene and the list goes on and on and on. 
May I suggest to you that without the foundation of discipline, there can be no real advancement or growth in our lives. If there is ever going to be any measure of success, there must be the ingredient of discipline in the mix. Um, if you would go ahead and outline this self-discipline comes from God. Let's go ahead and solve that right off the cuff. Self-discipline comes from God. It comes from God. If you would open your Bibles to second Timothy chapter one, verse seven in second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, I want to read it um, from two versions. The first, I want to read it from the New International Version, and here's how it reads in the New International Version. It says, for the spirit of the spirit God gave us, the spirit that God, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. Now, the King James Version reads this way, for God have not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, as you can see, it is the spirit of God within us that gives us the ability to even practice true discipline and true self-control. The, the word translated for discipline in the Greek I want to look at that if you don't mind. The word translated for, for discipline in the Greek is ingratia, ingratia. That's the word translated in the Greek for discipline, ingratia, which by the way comes from the root krat, K-R-A-T, ingratia. The word krat, K-R-A-T, is the root of that word, which denotes power, or lordship, which helps us to understand then that self-discipline from the vantage point of, um, of knowing that, that discipline is about exercising power over oneself. It's the ability to keep oneself under control. The word indicates self-mastery over one's inner desires, thoughts, and actions, and words. It is the control a believer must exercise over their own life as seen in Galatians chapter five, verse 23. In Galatians chapter five, verse 23, it says gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, that same word about self-control, governing oneself, is also found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9. It indicates that we ought to have self-control, that one must show self-control over unlawful sexual desires. Here's what it says. It says, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. 
That's not the only place it's found, though, not only in 1 Corinthians 7, but how about there's another instance, we see it again, where there is discussion about the elders in the church. In the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse number 8, in Titus chapter 1, verse number 8, we're told that the elders must be self-controlled and disciplined in their inward attitudes and outward actions. It says, here's what it says. It says, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Now, I think it's important for us to know um, that the opposite of self-discipline is a self-indulgent lifestyle that produces the work of the flesh. Yeah, um, I, I want you to, to get that, you all. Um, self-discipline is literally, you all, um, a self-indulgent lifestyle that produces the works of the flesh. All right. Um, come on, open your Bible. Go over to Galatians chapter five. Look at Galatians five. I want you to focus in right around verse 19. We want to start there. We're going to read all the way to verse 21. That's Galatians chapter five, verse 19. And let's um, end at verse 21. But here's what it says. It says, now the works of the flesh. I want you to get this. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealous, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. So any lack of self-control will inevitably result in sinful deeds. It will inevitably result in sinful deeds. But where self-mastery exists, there's a strong resistance to sensual appetites and sinful choices. Any advance in personal holiness demands self-control. I'll say it again. Any advance in personal holiness and not just personal holiness, but even in personal success is going to require self-control. It's going to require self-control. Now, to best understand what self-discipline is, we need to be sure on what it is not, on what it is not, okay? There are two um, erroneous views of, of the Christian life, and I want to spend my time dealing with this, if you don't mind. Spend a little time dealing with this. There are two erroneous views of the Christian life. Um, one is what's called flagrantism. 
P-E-L-A-G-I-A-N-I-S-M. And then there is semi-flagrantism, which distorts the truth of self-discipline. In the um, fourth century, there was a British ascetic. Um, That word simply means a person who practices severe self-discipline and abstention. Well, his name was um, Plagius. His name was Plagius, P-E-L-A-G-I-U-S. Again, Plagius, P-E-L-A-G-I-U-S. Pelagius, Pelagius, okay? Pelagius taught that um, man has the inherent ability to both save and sanctify themselves. I want you to see this. He taught that man has the ability to both save and sanctify themselves. By a person's sheer force of will, he claimed, they are able to accomplish the divine will. By this, you all, um, Fagilus, Flagilus, um denied original sin and total depravity. Original sin and total depravity. Now, let me just be real clear. Original sin, that's the sin of Adam and Eve. He denied it. He also denied what's called total depravity. Total depravity. Pastor, what is that? Total depravity is based on the fact that we are completely powerless to achieve righteousness in the eyes of God apart from God. Now, did I say to you that um, Pelagius denied the original sin and he denied total depravity? Now, the mere knowledge of the divine law, he insists, is all that is needed. By his own free will, he says, man may discipline himself by self-determination. Plagius was denounced, you all, as a heretic for his faulty teachings. Unfortunately, though, the line of thinking is still among us today. See, many, many today falsely assume that they can simply fill or will themselves to be whatever they want to be. They believe they can simply will themselves to be whatever they want to be. And this mindless mantra is found in today's self-help movement and the prosperity gospel, believing that what the mind can conceive the will can accomplish. The ability of self-discipline, they claim, you all, is within us. I'm sorry, Um, that's what they claim, that the ability of self-discipline is within us. Now, the second erroneous view called Pelagianism is the approach that assumes that man has some ability, some ability to save and sanctify himself, that we must supply our willpower in partnership with God, and that God and man are somehow co-contributors to self-discipline. They believe there's some joint venture where God gives a measure of grace and man supplies the rest. So, One line of thinking is we have the sole ability to save and sanctify ourselves. And the other way of thinking is that we have a part and God has a part and that we can work it out together. 
because we are partners in this. Now, listen, I want to be real clear. Um, neither one of these positions or thinking is true. It doesn't align with the truth of God's word. So then let me give you all. Here's the truth regarding man and God. Here is the truth regarding discipline and control. Here it is. God is the sole author of our salvation and sanctification. Salvation and sanctification. Sanctification is, 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 is what we in fact receive as a result of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification means to be set apart. It means to operate in discipline and self-control. Now, by his sovereign grace, God regenerates spiritually dead sinners. That's what, it, that's what God does through the Holy Spirit. Let me be real clear. God does it through the Holy Spirit. Every believer is responsible to pursue holiness, yet God must work within us to produce personal godliness. For Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, you all, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Wow. It is God that produces authentic self-discipline in the believer. I'll say that again. I want you to get this. It is God that produces self-discipline in the believer. So pastor, who produces self-discipline? All right, let's just kind of walk through this and let's see. The virtue of self-control is a component of the, the fruit of the spirit. I'll do that again for you. I want you to get this, you all. The virtue of self-control is a component of the fruit of the spirit. In Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23, here's what it tells us. It tells us, but the fruit of the spirit is love, is joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness. Look at verse 23, gentleness, self-control, Against such things, there is no law. So then that means as a vine produces fruit, self-discipline is created exclusively by the spirit. I want you to know this, you all self-control is never self-generated. Self-discipline is created exclusively by the spirit. Self-control is never self-generated. Rather, it is a work of grace within us. Now, though, though we are, though we are active in, in, in practicing it, we're, though we're active in this, we're active in practicing it. We simply bear this fruit of self-discipline. We never produce it. Would you all help me? Come on. I need you to get this. We never produce it. The self 
can never produce self-discipline. Only as believers live under the Holy Spirit's control can they live self-controlled lives. It is only as believers that we live under the Holy Spirit's control that we can live controlled lives. Self-discipline cannot happen without the Holy Spirit. That's the grandmama cornbread version of that, you all. I need you to know this. Self-discipline cannot happen without the Holy Spirit. We've got to depend on the Holy Spirit and draw upon the power and strength that we have been given in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Now, self-discipline is not just Holy Spirit empowered, but it's also about choice. You and I have to choose self-discipline. It's, it's, it's both Holy Spirit empowered and it's by choice. We have to choose it. Now, um, let me get you, outline this, put this in, the, in your outline if you don't mind. Self-discipline is a learning process. It's a learning process. Self-discipline is a learning process. Yet, although we have the Holy Spirit within us to help us develop self-discipline, it's still a learning process. Second Peter chapter one, verse three, tells us, y'all, it says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It's through our knowledge of God with the Bible that we have, you and I, we have everything we need to live our Christian lives and be successful at it. But we must learn God's word to get the knowledge and to even know what areas he's calling us to be disciplined in. Paul said it best in his letter to the Philippians in chapter four, verse 12 through 13. He said it best. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Y'all, Paul learned the discipline of contentment by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, again, we can only do these things by the strength that God gives us. That strength comes to us, you all, through the Holy Spirit. And often I, often I hear people ask me, people will ask me, all, hey, pastor, why is self-discipline so difficult? Self-discipline isn't easy, but hear me, we make it way more difficult than it has to be because we exclude God from the process. We sometimes have the mindset that we can make it on our own and will only bring God in, hear me, if things fail. Here's the truth, you all, the truth, the truth is, things tend to fail only because we try to do them without God. By doing this, we actually set ourselves up to fail. Did you hear me? By doing that, we actually set ourselves up to, when we decide to do it without God, we are actually setting ourselves up to fail, or at the very least, 
we set ourselves up to take the longer road to success. Now, here's what I want to leave you with. And I'm going to pick up here on next week. Hey, Pastor, how, how do I develop self-discipline in any area of my life? That's what I want to leave you with, because that's where I want you to hang out, right? How do I develop self-discipline in any area of my life? Yo, we, we, we've got the power and the strength of God within us to be self-disciplined. But how do we tap into that power and strength? How do we develop this Christian self-discipline and apply it in real time, in real life? Stay tuned the next week. If the Lord delays his coming, I promise you, I'm going to pick up right here and begin to help us to understand how we can begin to apply self-discipline in every area of our life.